of 2 Timothy, which is on page 1197. Um, So that's 2 Timothy 1 um, on page 1197. So, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelled first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason... I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you know well all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Thanks, Tom. Please do keep that, uh, that passage open, and we'll uh, look at it a little bit more closely now. Well, unless you're a bit of a, a history buff uh, like me, you may not realize the important anniversary that we have had this week. This week, does anyone know? This week has been the 350th anniversary 
of the great ejection of the Puritans from the Church of England in 1662. Now, uh, they left the Church of England for a variety of reasons, but as the evangelicals of their day, the people committed to the authority of the Word of God and to uh, biblical, passionate preaching, I think we share many common bonds with them. Their story is part of our spiritual heritage. Well, in 1662, the evangelical ministers who were kicked out of the Church of England did so because they saw that the gospel was at stake. Nearly 2,000 ministers lost their jobs because, uh, because of that, that gospel truth. The gospel is at stake, therefore we are not going to stay. Uh, and it was that day, the 24th of August, 1662. Was it because they were ungodly uh, and unloving people? No. Uh, nor was it because they were ill-disciplined or because they lacked self-control. That's not why they were thrown out. It wasn't because they were heretics teaching a false gospel. Not even because they couldn't cope with a few of the, the little ceremonial things in the Book of Common Prayer. Now, in the end, they put the gospel and a clear conscience ahead of before their love for the institutional church. And they couldn't compromise on that. Well, I don't know about you, but I admire their bravery, their guts, their courage. Because not only did they lose their pulpits, they also lost their homes and their incomes as well, just overnight, all gone. And then they were persecuted for the next 25 years by the state and not even allowed to meet in their homes uh, as a group for Bible reading and prayer without being arrested. And if they did it more than three times, they had the most fearsome of punishments available to the state in that day. They would be sent to America. And you see, they could, have, they could have actually stopped all that persecution just by making a few small compromises. So I admire their bravery in sticking to their guns and not doing that. If you want to know more about uh, 1662 and this great ejection of the Puritans, I found when I've spoken about that in the past, people say to me, I'd never heard of that. I didn't know about that. So if you're one of those who's never heard of that, um, I put some good articles in a, a newspaper that came out this month at the back of the church there and there and uh, also near the coffee as well. So go and have a look at those afterwards. Uh, if you want to know a lot more, then perhaps I'll recommend a good book. Um, come see me later. But why am I starting with all that? Is it just to, to sell copies of my book? No. As I said, this, this week is the 350th anniversary of, of this. And this is our spiritual heritage. Those men who suffered for the gospel back then left us an inspiring example, which is part of our story as believers in this country. And it also has relevance to this reading that we've just had in Paul's second letter to Timothy. The first thing Paul says in this letter as we launch into it is, be faithful to our spiritual heritage. That's the thrust of verses uh, 1 to 7 of this chapter. Be faithful, Timothy, to our spiritual heritage. What he actually says, I mean, look at it more closely when you boil it down. Um, verse 3, he thanks God for Timothy's faith. Uh, so verse, verse 3 there, I thank God as I constantly remember you. Uh, and verse 5, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. 
But there's a little bit more to it, I think, than just Paul thanks God for Timothy's faith. He must be letting us in on his prayers for a reason, don't you think? He could have just prayed that prayer on his own. Why is he letting us in on that prayer? I think it's to do with some of the little asides that he inserts into these opening uh, verses, into the thanksgiving. So listen again, those those details in verse 5. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice. Now what's he saying? Timothy's just one of a long line, you see, of believers in his family. He's not just an isolated Christian. There's a history here. People who came before him, who labored over and prayed for him. And of course, Paul knows that himself as well, doesn't he? What did he say here? Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, my forefathers. See, he too, Paul as well, had a believing family. Going back 350 years maybe, or perhaps longer. So both Paul and Timothy are part of something bigger than just themselves as individuals. They had faithful families and are part of an ongoing work of God which spans the generations. So Paul's reminding Timothy of that. And he's also reminding him of their close relationship together, not just that uh, he knows the name of Timothy's mum and grandma, uh, but that they've also been at work together on the mission field over many years. And that gives Paul the way in that he needs to encourage this, uh, this young pastor. God did not give us, he says in verse 7, a spirit of fear. Uh, the word also be translated as cowardice or timidity. He's saying that when God equipped you for your ministry, Timothy, he didn't give you the ministry, the spirit of cowardice. Actually, he doesn't say that, does he? That's not what he's saying to Timothy. He says it differently. He says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. It's not just about Timothy. This is not the older man just saying, you, 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 come on, come on. Paul is kind of reminding himself here of God's empowering, his strengthening, his own resolve not to shrink back and be a coward in the face of suffering. He's saying again, let's be faithful to our spiritual heritage. Not just yours, Timothy, not just mine, but our spiritual heritage that we share, an inheritance that we share. We've been given this spirit of power and love and self-control, and that is just what we need as ministers of the gospel. We need power, Timothy, just to keep going as Christians, especially if we have to suffer for it. Paul tells him in verse 8, doesn't he, that he will have to suffer for the gospel by the power of God. And we'll need love, especially uh, if people in the church are difficult to deal with, especially maybe if people in the wider church are difficult to deal with, people outside our own congregation. And a lot of Timothy's struggles, if you read 1 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, a lot of Timothy's struggles are with people in the wider church. In his own congregation, of course, but also wider than that. Other ministers, other people who have gone off the rails, swerved away. 
We'll need love to deal with people like that. And we'll need, thirdly, self-control. So we don't kind of fly off the handle at our theological opponents, uh, but keep our heads in the face of heresy and immorality in the church. So I think, I mean, looking at it in that sort of way, I think we don't have to say that Timothy is timid by nature. Some people say that, don't they? Timid Timothy. If he was scared by the slightest thing, as people sometimes make him out to be that kind of timid, if he was scared by the slightest thing, he wouldn't last very long in Paul's mission agency, would he? I mean, consider where Paul's been and the kind of things he suffers. We shouldn't call him timid Timothy. He was trusted Timothy, trained Timothy, who'd been sent to some of the most difficult churches that Paul had planted to to sort them out. But maybe sitting here tonight, you know, we are timid. Maybe you feel timid as a Christian. Maybe the thought of suffering in some ways puts you off being a Christian in the first place. I don't know. It may not be easy. But Paul says here, don't worry about that. Don't worry. God will give us, he will give us all the strength that we need, whatever comes our way, by way of opposition to the gospel. God has given us everything we need for that difficult task of fulfilling the great commission given to us by Jesus to take the gospel to the whole world. It may not be easy, but Paul says to Timothy, let's keep going, both of us, all of us. And we'll come to why it may not be easy in a moment, but let's press on, says Paul. I wonder if it's possible to apply some of that to us this evening. Let's be faithful to our spiritual heritage and fan into flame the gift of God that we have been given, however dimly it may be burning at present. Let us keep the flames of humble, prayerful, passionate evangelism burning here in Cambridge. I mean, this town that we're in now... This town has an honored and long history of clear, passionate gospel preaching. From the reformers back in the 16th century who broke from Rome and the medieval Catholic system that was keeping people in bondage to to works religion, they broke with that and went to the stake, literally, for the gospel. Usually over in Oxford. You know what they say, Cambridge makes the reformers and Oxford burns them. But that's part of our spiritual heritage. Think about those Puritans of the 17th century who started colleges here in Cambridge. You ever wondered why so many of the colleges are called after Jesus or Christ or Emmanuel or something like that? Well, many of those were founded by Puritans, people in our, uh, our spiritual inheritance, our heritage. Uh, they preached their hearts out to win this town and to win the nation for Jesus. Then think about the 18th century and Charles Simeon over there in Holy Trinity preaching the gospel, planting churches, 